Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. God said something to me. In fact, I didn't even recognize, uh, but until he said it the second time. And I love it when he gives you a scripture that you don't have a sermon on. (laughs) Right? And then you just sit back and watch him tie it all together. And uh, don't you love the word tonight? Hallelujah. It takes our life and sets it on course as it gets our faith and our cooperation. Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn with me if you would uh, tonight. Let's go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Um, The Spirit of God said this verse to me. Not not the one I just told you about, but he quoted this to me. In him we live. (laughs) In him we live. Our our daily life. Our manner of life. Uh, But in him we live and move. (laughs) So he's directing this whole thing. If we'll listen to it. In him we live and move and we have our being. So we draw everything uh, for our being from the one that we live in. Amen. Um, Jesus made a statement and he said this. He said, the kingdom of God is in you. So we need to start paying attention to what's in us every single day because it's in us so that we can live and move and have our being drawn out of that flow of what's in us out of the kingdom that's in us. And then Paul goes a little bit further and he states in detail what is in us. There in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, and Paul made this statement, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but the kingdom of God is this, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and we could say it this way, and this is the flow of the Holy Ghost. And this is what the Holy Ghost manifests in. This is his flow. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen. Uh, This is what the Holy Ghost imparted to each and every one of us at the new birth. Righteousness, peace, and joy is among what was imparted to us. Why? Because this is the flow of the kingdom and the kingdom is in you to live out of that flow. Uh, This is the flow the Holy Ghost is endeavoring always to lead us into every single day of our life. And this is the flow that God manifests in. God doesn't just manifest in every flow. It's kingdom flow. What is that? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God's not moving and manifesting through worry, fear, doubt. He can't participate in that flow. And he's telling you the flow that he can participate in is that of righteousness, peace, and joy. Hallelujah. We see this, there's a divine order. Righteousness, peace, and joy. If we look at the end of it, joy, the last one listed, you can't be joyful when you're not in peace. That's good. Come on. Come on. 
and you can't be peaceful when you're not, when you're not right with God. So one leads to the other. They are each dependent on each other. But notice, uh, we would love to go, jump right to the joy one. That everything of our life be the joy flow. Well, that begins with the righteousness flow. I said that begins with the righteousness flow. Righteousness, of course, is being right with God. And because we're right with God, we live in that flow of rightness. We live and conduct our lives in the flow of that righteousness. And we're not righteous because we've done everything right. We're righteous because he did everything right. And he gave us that free gift of righteousness. It's not earned. It's a free gift. But although he has made us that, we must become skillful at walking in that which he made us to be. Amen. Um, we have to remember this. Satan is our subject. And we are his master. And you will never live that way unless you are, have embedded in you, I am the righteousness of God. Because of our righteousness, that's how come we can walk as one who's master. Amen. When someone is not skillful in the righteousness that's theirs, they live under a sense of sin, sin consciousness. They're mindful all the time of how they missed it, what they're not, where they failed, what they've done wrong, what they, how much further they should be along. But let's not all sing our, our favorite verse of that. All of that is to rob us of being righteousness conscious. And that sin consciousness produces something called condemnation. It produces this thing of shame. It, it, it brings people into a place of depression. When you're right with God and you know it, there's no depression. And the blood of Jesus made it as though we never missed it. How bold would you be to live? if you lived with the consciousness, I've never missed it. That's righteousness, consciousness, thinking. How many times the devil is always pointing to what you're not, what you've done wrong, to try to draw you out of that sense of righteousness into that sin consciousness flow. And of course, first John one nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all what unrighteousness. So the moment you miss it and you know, you missed it. You say, maybe there's some hidden sin. No, you were there when you did it. It's not, there's not a hidden sin in your life. You were present. And if you will be quick to acknowledge, quick to repent, you step back into that righteousness flow because outside that righteousness flow is no peace and joy because there's a divine order to, to this. 
I love something that one pastor said recently that he made this statement. He said, one of the greatest acts of faith that you can take is the moment you miss it and you confess it to God, you stand back up in your righteousness and say, the blood made me clean. And you forget about it. You don't rehearse it. You don't talk about it. You don't regurgitate it. That is one of the greatest acts of faith that we can take. Because until we're standing in our righteousness, I'm talking about in our thought life, in our speech, in the exercise of our authority, we will never enjoy all that he's already made ours. I, we have to have faith in this verse, 1 John 1, 9. When I confess it, it's done. I don't have to feel bad for two weeks, two months, six months. I'm not talking about being flippant about having missed it. We're mindful that our sin costs Jesus everything, costs heaven everything. We don't take that lightly. And when we repent, we don't repent flippantly. But the moment we repent, we have enough faith in what his word said that I believe more in the blood that cleanses me than the sin that trips me up and stand back upright. Why? Because your pastor doesn't need you dragging tail coming into church, <laughs> feeling bad of what you've messed up. He needs your faith. He needs you coming in righteousness conscious so we don't have to pump. Uh, we wear on our face what we think about our place in righteousness. Our posture will demonstrate if we get under. The devil will always point you back to your flesh. Sin consciousness always points you back to your flesh. It's not who we are in our flesh. It's who we are in him. And you have to develop the, 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 the mentality that of the kingdom that's in you, righteousness is in me. And that's who I am. You have to talk it to yourself. And when there comes the replay and the memory of where you missed it and what you, oh, you've wasted so many years. None of your business, devil. Your eternity is, is so dark. <laughs> Don't talk to me about a few years. Because God restores the years that the canker worm ate away. God restores as long as we stand back up in our righteousness and we live in, in him in righteousness. We move in him in righteousness and we have our being in him in righteousness. I'm not right because I've done it all right. I'm right because he made me right. One of, it needs to become a very important verse to you is Hebrews 9 verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Jesus purge you? Purge your, con purge your conscience. Purge your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. Listen, uh, what, you, what you allow in your conscience, what your conscience is doing with you is going to determine how far God can use you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Because if he tells you something and you go to draw back in sin consciousness, he's going to have to pass that assignment to someone who will step out and obey him. But he, how much more shall the blood of Jesus purge your conscience from dead works? What dead works? Your dead works. <laughs> so that you can serve the living God. Um, we, we're pretty impressed with ourselves in this age of technology. And everyone has something of it on, around their body right now, probably. <laughs> And the only thing is that device only knows what you put in it. I'll not tell the whole story, but there's a comical story when my husband told Stephen, come on, we're going to the, t to the phone store tomorrow and I'm getting me a new phone. I'm not going to tell all the glorified parts of that. <laughs> but it, Stephen said, Ed, you don't want to do that, Dad. Dad, they're going to aggravate you down there. Don't, Dad, no. Because Ed had, a, Ed had like a 15-minute limit on everything. Everything's got to be done within 15 minutes. And so he goes in there, and it's, you know, mm, mm. <laughs> Yeah, it was no bueno, no bueno. And, and so... Ed goes out, gets in the car, takes the phone out of the box, and his data isn't in it. I guess he thought that he's going to buy it and what is his is going to show up. Now it's got to go through the process of putting it all in, so he delightfully made that a projectile object <laughs> because it wasn't in there. Why? Because devices only know the input. What is input? You, the mind of man is the original computer. It only knows what you input. That's why the renewing of the mind is so important because it cannot produce what has not been input. You say, well, it's in my spirit. Yes, but your mind is the gateway to your spirit. And so um, with your device is also when you don't want something anymore in there, there's a delete feature, a delete button. And, and, you know, the, the medical industry or whatever industry tells you this, they'll tell you that the mind of man, everything it sees, everything it hears gets registered, recorded. That nothing is ever lost. It's cataloged in this divine, this, this great computer that God gave you. But there are things that you put in it that never should have been put in. The old man put things in. Even yielding to something we shouldn't yield to as Christians, things go in and there is a divine delete button called the blood of Jesus. How much more shall the blood of Jesus purge your conscience? It'll purge. It, it, it deletes what does not help you in this divine life. Well, Pastor Nancy, how do you get that deleted? By faith, you apply the blood. I confess, 
I confess my sin and you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. And I receive that cleansing blood right now that deletes the conscience. What's the conscience? Uh, I like what one, one commentator wrote. He said it this way. He said, how much more shall the blood of Jesus purge your replay of the mind from dead works so that you can serve the living God? the replay of the mind that which constantly tries to come up at a time that you're trying to release faith or you're trying to move forward with God and a, 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 a memory comes back up. Would well, you remember when you did this and you haven't prayed this week and you haven't done enough of this and you haven't done enough. And all of that is to get you to step back, draw back, back up and not walk in your righteousness. So there is the divine delete button called the blood of Jesus that will purge the replay of the mind so that you're not going through your whole life being dogged by the past. Uh, I was talking to a, I, I had shared that with a pastor on, on, one, on one occasion and he told me of something that was so interesting because um, this man in his congregation knew of somebody that had been in the military years ago, and I don't know where he had served, but he had seen a lot of horrific things, and they troubled him. And he came back over to the United States, and the rest of his life, he lived under the harassment of that. He couldn't sleep well. I mean, it just affected everything. Then his body broke down, his health broke down. He ends up on his deathbed, and this Christian man who's part of this pastor's congregation is in the man's home, and he's with him at the time that he exits the earth at the time of his death. And while he's there, uh, he, this, this military man was born again, but because of the mental harassment, he never developed spiritually. It, it just, it, he just never got past that. So this congregation member was there and with him. And as the man died, the con that that congregation member recognized he, he, he knew he's going to go up. So he just kind of started looking up just as a sign. I recognize what's happening to you right now. And so he said, when he looked up, he saw the man's spirit rise up out of his body. God let him see into the spirit realm. And he saw this man's spirit rise up out of his body. And he said, and he told his pastor, he said, pastor, I saw something I'd never seen before. But he said, when the man's spirit rose up, a mask had been on his face. It, it was just like, not a mask that fit every contour of his face, but it was like a shield, a mask that was over him. And he said, when he came up out of his body, I saw that mask and it fell off. And as it was falling, I could see inside the mask. And it was like a video screen replaying every difficult, tragic, hard thing of his life that the devil had put that on him and it replayed all the events that troubled and harassed his mind. And I want you to know, I don't care what's gone on in your past and what somebody's done to you, said to you and how you were raised because not everybody has treated everybody right. 
but I want you to know that never has to trouble you because the blood of Jesus will purge the replay of the mind so that your mind is not living, you're not living your life just trying to survive mentally and trying to talk it out and trying to work it out. The blood of Jesus will purge. And you lay in bed at night and if that tries to trouble you, you say, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood that's over my mind, that it is the divine delete button on my past. It's the divine delete button on what somebody said, what somebody did, and every harmful word to my righteousness falls. Learn to employ the blood to be skillful in your righteousness. Hallelujah. My husband told about the time years ago when he had a service and there was a great healing anointing. And he said many people were healed in that service. And he came back to the hotel and he came back and there was just a bombardment against his mind. Because anytime you go to make progress, the devil's not going to stand back and congratulate you. He's going to oppose and he's going to oppose in the mind. And so Ed was feeling all that. And he called me that night and uh, he said, yeah, I, I did a bad job. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have said it that way. My goodness, I got back and I was just thinking how I shouldn't have said this and I shouldn't have said that. And then he woke up the next morning and he was just, he was in it further. It had just was just coming in waves against him. And he said he stood in front of the mirror at the, in the bathroom as he was shaving, and he said tears just running down his face. He said, God, I, I, I shouldn't even be, I shouldn't even be preaching. I shouldn't even be trusted with what you've trusted me with. He says, I messed up my words so bad last night. I, there's so many things I probably shouldn't have said, things I should have done better. What's he doing? He's voicing. He's voicing things against his righteousness, and we've all done it. And he said, as he was standing there, he said, all of a sudden I had a vision. And he said, in this vision was a bust of me from the chest up, just like a marble bust you would see in a museum or something. And he said, it looked exactly like me. It was completely an image of me. And he said, then all of a sudden I saw like a big sledgehammer come and strike it right in the top of the head. And all these cracks went everywhere throughout that. And he says, I know God. And God said to him, those are your sins, your faults, your failures, your weaknesses. And he says, I know, I told you, I shouldn't even be, I told you, that's what I've been telling you. You shouldn't even have put me in this position of the ministry. I, you shouldn't have even entrusted me. And he said, he looked back up and he said, all of a sudden he saw blood oozing through those. And he said, the blood of Jesus erases every one of them. If we're going to live past conscious, if we're going to live where we missed it conscious and reminding others where they missed it and holding things against people, if you let it go, it doesn't live with you anymore. But every time you think about it, every time you talk about it, you bring it into your present and you take yourself out of the flow of the kingdom of God because the flow of the kingdom of God is righteousness. Young people start early talking about, I'm right with him. Even I'm right with him because he did it right. Not because I did it right, but because he did it right. And I have faith enough in what he did to walk in that righteousness myself. 
Sin consciousness turns you self-conscious. But righteousness conscious turns you God conscious. And we're to become skillful. Why? The kingdom of God is in you. Righteousness is in you. And the flow of that, the flow of that righteousness in your life will make you master over opposition that comes, things that try to trouble you. You stand back up in your righteousness and you say, no, you don't. You're not doing that to me anymore. You're not doing that to them. And you take your place. For in him we live. To live in him is to live in his righteousness. In him we move. To move in that righteousness. In him we have our being, have our being from that flow of his righteousness. We have to major on these things. Amen. Then it says after that, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace. Thank God for peace. I, in pastoring 25 years, I would have to say, and just traveling too, many, many, many Christians do not know what it is to have a life of peace. They have a life of coping. They have a life of managing. But I'm talking about a peace where things come, but it can't get in. Things come, but they don't draw you into their flow because you've already established a peace flow. God said to me in 2011, two years before my husband went home to be with the Lord, he said to me, all I want you doing is practicing peace. Now, he didn't mean I can't do anything else. He meant make that your emphasis. How do you practice peace? Pay attention to your thought life. What are you thinking? Every thought that did not lead me into a further place in peace, I cast it down. I answered it. I'd say, no, you don't. Many times people have given up their peace because they're not paying attention to what they're thinking on. You'll never be spiritual till you pay attention to your thought life. God didn't even mention the devil to me in that. He mentioned practicing peace. And I really realized that really practicing peace was just going further in the spirit. That's all it is. It's walking in the spirit. If it didn't lead me to peace and joy, I would not let it in. I would not entertain it. Dad Hagen taught us this. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it. Practicing peace dismisses you from the responsibility of thinking about things. And it's thinking about things that wear you down. <sighs> trying to figure it out. Trying to mentally manage things. Trying to mentally handle things. Nothing more tiring. So the day uh, in October of 2013, when my kids came and they said, they said, mom, dad's plane went down and there were no survivors. Uh, I had a choice to make, but I chose it two years before when I chose to practice peace. God told me two years before, why? So to keep me in front of things. He makes us the head, not the tail. What's that mean? We're in front of things, not behind them, cleaning up messes, cleaning up tragedy, cleaning up crisis, cleaning up 
all kinds of situations and circumstances. We're not the cleanup crew. We have to pay attention to what he's telling us because he's preparing us for where, what's going to show up. What if I wouldn't have practiced peace? What if I would have dismissed that? But he said, all I want you doing is practicing peace. I got into such a place in the spirit that I knew how to get there and I knew how to stay there. And so when a report, a a tragedy reported, there's no other flow that can substitute for this one. So I'm not leaving this one. I don't care what happens in your life. It's not authorized to take you out of any flow. The flow of the kingdom that's in you. It's a choice. I could have chosen the grief flow. I could have chosen the sorrow flow. But the day my husband left, the flow of heaven was not withdrawn. The flow of the kingdom that was in me was still there. And that's especially when we're to pay attention to that one. Because the flow of the kingdom that's in us is not just for the happy days. The greatest value is when things try to get out of place. And I refused to step out of the flow. How did I stay in that flow? I refused to start thinking. What am I going to do? What's going to happen next? I cannot get into that mental arena. How do you know if you're in the mental arena, if you're in the arena of questions? If you're asking questions, you're in the mental arena. How come? Why? What could I have done different? What do I do next? Wrong arena. In the spirit arena, there's no questions, just answers. I don't, I'm not going to find answers getting into the arena of questions. No, I didn't know the answer to every question I could have asked, but I knew I wouldn't find it in that mental arena. I'll, I'll hear it and find it in the peace arena. And I turned to my kids and I said, don't you touch this in your thought life. Don't you touch this in your thought life. If you do, you will get into the mental arena and you'll get into a place of grief and sorrow and depression. And I don't have time to pull you out. I might not can pull you out. You have to pull yourself out, but just don't go there. Then you don't got to pull yourself out. (laughs) You are authorized to not figure it out. God gives us permission to no longer living our life trying to figure it out. I'm redeemed from having to figure it out. I just knew if God could prepare me two years in advance for what was going to come, he could certainly prepare me for every day I would face. And there is a reward for staying in the flow of the kingdom, the kingdom that's in you. I, I, I know that people kind of get a little shocked when I say the hardest 
Somebody asked me in an interview recently, they said, what was your darkest hour? I said, there's no one event that's been my darkest hour. The hardest time of my life, I said, when my husband went to heaven unexpectedly, that was the greatest tragedy. But I said, it was not my hardest hour. My hardest time was when I didn't have, I wasn't renewing my mind and I didn't know where the right thoughts were. I didn't know where this was to land. Oh, it was torment. It was torture as a baby Christian and tests come and I did not know how to, I did not know what a right thought looked like. I didn't know how to even find it and get in it and stay in it. That was the hardest. And when my husband died unexpectedly, I knew what right thinking was. I knew the right flow for it. The flow of the kingdom turns everything easy. Just stay in the flow. You don't have to have everything figured out. Just stay in the flow. What is the flow? Righteousness, peace, and joy. We can live. That's the flow of the kingdom of the kingdom of God. Uh, We can live there before we go there. That we live days of heaven on earth by staying in the flow authored by heaven in us. And this is the flow the Holy Ghost is always leading us in. He'll never lead you to come out of peace. He'll never lead you to come out of your righteousness. He'll never lead you to come out of your joy. He's always, all every directive he gives is in line with your righteousness, your peace and your joy. That's the flow that he's come to help you walk out. So when God gave me, and you've heard me give the testimony of when God gave me Sister Amy Sill McPherson's vacation home. And one of the things that he said to me about it, when I asked him about that home, he said, I am a rewarder. And he says, I don't just give rewards, I am a rewarder. He said, if you don't receive that Sister Amy's castle, he said, you rob me from being who I am to you. And I'm a rewarder. And he said, I'm rewarding you for how you handled your husband's home going. Notice this. He, he, he puts the flow in us, then rewards us for being in it. And the flow itself seems to be reward enough. But then he rewards you for staying in the flow that blesses you. Why? Because what I chose that day affected my family, affected the congregation. The flow you choose does not just affect you. It's affecting somebody else. And when you choose a wrong flow, know this, that someone is going to have an example of that. And they could possibly choose exactly like you. And God has enough examples of people choosing the wrong flow. (laughs) He needs examples of those who choose peace when nothing around them is peaceful. That they choose righteousness when they have made a mess of their life and they stand up and they say, "I, I choose what you made me to be and I walk away from what I used to be. Not playing with it anymore. 
The day my husband left the earth did not offer me peace. That event did not offer me peace, but that's okay. I brought my own with me. I brought my own with me. I don't have to wait for circumstances to offer me peace and joy before I'm peaceful and joyful. I brought my own. I brought my own. And I'm learning to become more and more skillful with that flow so that I tap into it at a moment's notice. Dad Hagen made a statement one time in a sermon, and he said, years ago, God sent me to preach at a church. He said, I hope he never sends me to another one like this. And he said this, he said, the pastor's wife had just died a year and a half before. And he said, that pastor was grieving, the whole congregation was grieving, and he said, there was a death spirit over the whole congregation. And he said, I had to go there and preach for weeks. He said, I couldn't wait to get out of there. But he said, finally, he said, just, the, just giving the word and giving the word and giving the word. He said, that pastor said, Brother Hagen, you don't know what you've done to me. He says, something has broken off my life. And he says, yes, I saw it when it lifted. And I thought, with the day Ed went home, be the Lord, I thought, no preacher's going to come to my church and say there's a death spirit over this congregation. I will not be the testimony on the CD of what not to do. I will not. I will not. You say, Pastor Nancy, you've talked about this for Why are you talking about it? Because so many don't know this flow in the face of tragedy. They only know what's been demonstrated by those who don't know. And we give you permission that no matter what tragedy happens, you never have to have a tragic life or step into a tragic flow. Never. And I am here to testify firsthand, the flow of peace is so much greater than the flow of death. I want you to know death was no match for the flow of that peace that was in me and set, that, set the future of this ministry. We didn't have to come out of something because we stayed in something. We chose our flow. No demon, no circumstance, no opposition chooses your flow and none of them can take your choice from you. If you stepped into the wrong flow, you did it. Yes, you might have been tempted. <laughs> But I'm, I let you know you're authorized to get out of any flow that does not lead you to peace, does not lead you to joy. And any flow that puts you down, points to who you're not, what you've done wrong, it's always the devil. Stand back up in your righteousness, not back in your performance, but in your righteousness. Praise the Lord. That flow is in you, stir it up. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. The truth is everything that God puts in you has to be stirred or it won't flow. Everything in you has to be stirred. Events try to stir the wrong thing. Circumstances try to stir the wrong thing. You choose what you stir. You choose what pot you stir. Sometimes literally. Yes. Stir it up. I immediately, I was so thankful 
that the Holy Ghost had said, all I want you doing is practicing peace. Yes. He gave me time to know what that flow felt like so that I would know, don't leave it. Don't leave it. Praise God. Brother Copeland called me just within moments. And uh, he said, Nancy, how you doing? I said, Brother Copeland, I can't act like I don't know what I know. I know too much. I know too much to fall apart. You fall apart, you got to go find all those pieces again. And some of them, they'll roll under the couch. You might never find that piece again. I don't have time to fall apart. Not even interested in falling apart. I know too much. I know too much. The peace flow is so, so, uh, it's so rich. It's so rich. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful that God puts this, this flow in us. Why? At a moment's notice, it's available at a moment's notice. And really you get to a place where you never come out of it if you become skillful. I remember somebody called a couple of years ago and asked me to do something for them. Um, they'd asked me before and I did something financially and uh, it was a large, for me, it was a large thing. And then they called maybe a month later and asked for this same thing again. And I thought, no, not this time. <laughs> but as I kept that before God, what do you say, God? Because I had my answer ready. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I went to God because I thought he might have some, want some input, you know. And so God said, I want you to do it. And I said, you sure about that? <laughs> Because it's going to, of my resources, it's going to take me all the way. And I said, but you tell me to do it, I'll do it. Because as long as you tell me to do it, I can stay. That's all I need to know. So I did it. And as I'm, and in fact, I'm sitting at Southwest Believers when all this transpired. And I'm sitting there and I don't remember who was preaching at the time, but it's an afternoon service. And I'm sitting there and just thoughts. You have put yourself in a very difficult place right now because you've taken yourself financially all the way to the bottom. You, you're going to have difficulty after this. And I, I'd sit there and I'd answer and I'd say, no, I'll never go to the bottom obeying God. I'll never go to the bottom obeying God. I never will. I'd answer it every time. Nope. And it just kept just for like 30 minutes. And I'd answer it to see, you don't just let things just swim. The devil sends words. Have you ever, have you ever seen on cartoons, one character hits another one with a hammer in the head and then the circle of stars goes around his head and just goes around. His head. That's what the devil does. He says words and they just keep circling and circling. He doesn't have to say them over and over. They just keep circling. And you have to stop those words or they'll keep moving. How do you stop them? You answer them. And so I said, no, God told me to do it. And uh, I'll never go to the bottom obeying what God tells me to do. And I sat there for 30 minutes. It just kept coming and kept coming. And after 30 minutes, God said to me, he said, 
if you would just get in my presence and live there, you wouldn't have to be listening to that stuff. He was rebuking me. I wasn't far enough into peace. You can be in peace in a measure and come back out. But you can go further and you can go so far that nothing troubles you. No matter what you hear. It doesn't mean you don't hear it. You just don't give a rip. One of the men, one of the pastors who has the largest, one of the largest churches in the world and one of the students in his Bible school said, with all the impact that your ministry has, I cannot imagine how much opposition comes against you. And I love what he said. He said, yeah, I guess there's been some. I just haven't noticed. Peace puts you in the place where you don't notice because you're already carried by a different flow. If you're worried, God offers you a different flow. If you're depressed, God offers you a different flow. It's in you. My husband was brilliant in the sense up here. He kept everything here. He wrote nothing down. I, I, I said to him, I said, give me all your preaching notes from all the years and I'll put them, you know, I'll organize them and put them together. And it was this wide, like this wide. I mean, I have tables full of mine and he had this much. I said, how do you do that? That's just so impressive. He says, I just start with one and I just start with one scripture. And there I go. I go, brother, you, you got a different flow than me. But he kept everything here. And I mean, this man had a built-in GPS. We would be up and we would be flying. We could be commercial or in our plane. It didn't matter where we're flying. He'd say, now that's such and such city down there and over there is such and such city and over there. And I go, I can't even find it on the ground, much less in the air. They would take us to churches. You know, we, we would land and they'd send a driver over to our hotel to drive us to church. And Ed's telling the driver how to get back to the church and how to get to the hotel. And I go, Ed, he lives here. <laughs> he said that one time we were driving, the driver was taking us from the hotel to the church. And Ed said, you missed your turn. <laughs> we hadn't been there in 10 years. He said, you missed your turn. And I said, Ed, he lives here. <laughs> And the driver said, no, I missed my turn. I said. <laughs> and, and this man, this man's mind, it, it was amazing. But he would walk in, he would walk into the house and everything he owned in his pockets. Drop a little bit here, drop a little bit there. Drop a little over here, drop a little over there. And every day he got up and said, somebody took my driver's license. <laughs> somebody took my money. They took my credit cards. They moved my keys. I said, <laughs> every day somebody's stealing from him in his house, in his own house. Every day somebody stole from that man. And we had a table by the door and I said, see this table? This is for your junk come out with your, 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 your cash, your credit cards, your coins, your glasses, your keys, your phone, all of it fits right here. And then when you go to get it, you know where it's at. So we don't spend 30 minutes finding the thief. 
<laughs> God knows there's people like that in the world. He knows there are people like that in the world. So he puts it where you can't ever misplace it. It's in you. The flow's in you. It's in you. It's in you. At a moment's notice, you can turn and you can draw out that peace that's in you. You say, what did you do the day your husband went home to be with the Lord? After all the staff meetings and everybody left the house, I just walked around. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Why? I was choosing my flow. I was choosing it. Even when I might have felt something different. My choice was not taken from me by anything that would have been felt. Now, righteousness, peace, and joy. Um, I love this that Dr. Summerall asked, Lester Summerall asked Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was in his 80s. Dr. Summerall was in his early 20s, and he visited him for two years off and on throughout the time he was in England. And one day he asked Smith Wigglesworth a great question. He said, Brother Wigglesworth, how do you get up in the morning? He said, I jump out of bed and I dance in the Holy Ghost for 10 minutes. What's he doing? He's choosing his flow. He's choosing his world. And what's he doing? He just steps into the joy flow. He knows this. You got to choose and stir up the flow you want. Because there's flows offered all around you. And they're so easy to step into. The flow of offense. The flow of unforgiveness. The flow of worry. The flow of fear. The flow of sickness and disease. It's all around. You can step into it anytime you want. But you don't have to because you brought your own flow. If you'll choose it. If you'll choose it. If you'll choose it. Amen. If doctor. Smith Wigglesworth, of course, we know there's record of people, so many people being raised from the dead. We need to pay attention to a man. What did he do in his daily life that got him the fruit of his ministry life? He chose his flow. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks, about three weeks after my husband went home to be with the Lord, Um, there was somebody that he knew had known years and years before he and I married even. And he, um, this person had been ill for several years and they had really been on the verge of death several for a while. And so about three weeks after Ed went home to be with the Lord, they died. And they told me later, they said I was walking up toward the city. I was in heaven and I was walking toward the gates and there was like a force field around the gates and I went to go in and I couldn't get in. And I kept trying to enter and that force field kept me out. And said, but on the other side of the gates, I saw Ed there. He had been her pastor years ago. And he said, it's not time for you to come. You can't come in yet. And he said, tell Nancy this. And then he said two things. And the second thing he said to to her, tell her to run her race with joy. It doesn't, yes, we're all running, but it matters how we're running. 
of all the things that heaven could have wanted me to know at that time. Tell her to run her race. It didn't just say tell her to run her race. Tell her to run her race with joy. What's that in? In the kingdom flow. The kingdom flow that's in you. Stay in that flow. Run in that flow. Live your life. God doesn't just want us to serve him. It matters how we serve him joyfully. I am so glad that God even lets me have a place that he has set me in in the body of what I get to fulfill. And it's not a hardship for me after I've done all my recreation or after I've done all the things that I'm interested in to come and serve in the church. It is not a hardship. It is a joy. And I will say this, never complain against what you're born for. It is dangerous to find complaint with anything that God asks of us. Well, he didn't really ask, he commands. <laughs> and it is dangerous to find complaint. Well, I just don't wanna do that. I know you want me to, I'm, not, I'm just, God, I don't wanna do that. I tell you because when people do that, they're not in the joy flow. It's a joy that God lets me do it. And when the flesh gets tired and says, I don't want to pack again, I start talking. I start picking my joy flow in the closet while I'm packing. And I say, thank God there's something in me worth telling. Thank God there's something in me that God says is worth passing on to someone else. And I start packing my bag joyfully because I will not call hard anything that God commands of me. I delight to do his will. I delight to do his will. I delight to get to serve wherever he allows me to put my hand. Amen. And if you'll treat it that way as a joy, where you serve becomes your refreshing place. The joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. Joy is a conductor. It carries God's strength into your life. When you do something joyfully, you get stronger in doing it. You do something complaining and it draw, it takes joy out of you. But the joy of the Lord puts his strength into us. Not only into us, but into every arena connected and concerning us. Strength, what about strength in our, health, in our physical body, our health? What about strength in the mind? What about strength in the finances? Complain about how much money you don't have and watch the strength of God leave your finances. Complain about how it's hard financially and watch strength leave financially. Complain against your spouse and watch the, we, the, the marriage weaken. Gripe about your kids and neglect the kids and watch what happens to the family unit. No one ever ended up in the divorce court going in and say, Judge, I'm so thankful, I'm joyful. I'm joyful for this person. No, they lost the joy of one another. They no longer enjoy. You know what joy is? Enjoying. I enjoy God and it is a joy to get to do anything that is connected with the kingdom of God. Amen. And for me to lay down the joy flow, to pick up the complaining one, 
is a dishonor. Well, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I love something. God said this to me. I was faced with a certain difficulty and I had this sense to get up and dance in the Holy Ghost on my back porch in my pajamas. Looking all rough. And I just got up my just doing it. It looked like everything around me is crumbling. And I did it while I choose my flow. And while I was doing that, the word of the Lord came to me and said, in the rejoicing, power flows. In the rejoicing, power flows. So as long as we're rejoicing, power has free access. When we decide that rejoicing isn't worth our flow, power is, the, the door to power is closed. There was uh, a pastor that he... Um, he was going through a difficult time and he found himself in a place of depression and he had the, the curtains drawn, his bedroom dark and had been that way for a while. And he got up one morning and same thing, just sat in a dark bedroom, just sitting there. And all of a sudden Jesus came walking into his bedroom and sat down beside him. Jesus didn't say a thing to him. He just sat down beside him put his hand on his knee and just sat there and laughed and started laughing and the man just looking at him. And Jesus is sitting there laughing and the pastor's just looking at him. Didn't say anything, just looking at him. And he thought, well, I better do what he's doing. And he took off and entered in to the flow that, jo that Jesus was in. And they sat. I, I just, this is precious to me. They sat and they laughed together. He invites us to enjoy him every day. He said, and we just sat and we laughed together. And after a while, Jesus got up and walked out and he said, all the depression was gone. Why? At destruction and famine, I will what? Laugh is an expression of joy. So we could say it this way, at destruction and famine, I'll get in the joy flow. That's what that means. At destruction and famine, I'll stir up that joy flow. It may look like things are falling apart, but you have a flow that'll put everything back together. And you don't have to wait for circumstances to, make, to be peaceful before you're peaceful. You don't have to wait for them to be joyful before you're joyful because those flows are in you. The kingdom is in you and the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I will say this, it would be a sad thing for people to spend hours praying in the Holy Ghost every day and live life sad. You're out of the flow. I don't care how long you pray in the Holy Ghost. If you're not in peace and joy and walking in your righteousness, you are out of the flow of the Holy Ghost. Because I'm not leaving the joy in the building. 
So many come to church and they get relief in this atmosphere, corporate anointing. Thank God for that. But it's so that you can carry it out with you and not leave it in the building. Never sad again. Never depressed again. Never oppressed again. Never fearful again. Why? Because we have a flow on the inside of us that will never be withdrawn from us. And we need to stir it up and become skillful in our righteousness, skillful in our peace, skillful in our joy. Hallelujah. Are you helped tonight? Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And we are so grateful that the kingdom is in us. The kingdom is in us. It is in us, and we're not going to leave it dormant. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands and lift up your voice and worship him tonight. We thank you, Father. We thank you. <laughs> greater is he, and greater is his flow that's in us than he that's in the world, than the flow that's in the world. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's sing something, David. Let's do something. Whatever yes. you want. Cindy, come and let's do something. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, yeah. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> she, yeah, she's got a microphone. Hallelujah. What are you at? Oh, thank you. The button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they put buttons on the
I go tell myself shut up just go do what he said to do you know you work for the man go do it you're supposed to do what he says to do so um, I did (laughs) and when I did the only thing I heard was that <laughs> and I begin to stir it up and it begin to flow. Hallelujah. I'll be honest with you tonight. When she was talking about all that, it was all I could do to sit in my seat and not jump off and run around the building because it's a supernatural flow of the Holy
you as fast as you want to, as fast as you can. You run up and you be slapping some people up and down this aisle. The, the anointing will come on you. You, you watch. You just go. Just go. Just go. Take your mouth with you.
have been, we have record books written and things recorded about precious, precious, powerful men of former generations. Some were well known for their preaching, but those who mark the earth in a different way are men of the word and of the spirit. Not just great preachers, but they know the flow of God. Amen. And we refuse to let that be lost or diminished. The word and the spirit together. That's how this whole thing began. The earth was without form and void and the Holy Spirit, the, the King James says he was moving upon the face of the deep, but the Amplified said he was hovering. What's he doing? He's waiting. What's he waiting? He's waiting for the word. He's waiting for the word. And when God said, let there be light, or as Brother Copeland's taught us, light be, then he moved. And that's how this all began, the word and the spirit. Amen. That's the life that he authored for us. The New Testament life, Christian is characterized by life in the spirit. Life in the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that we're in this room tonight because together, because you have to be around it to learn it, to become acquainted with it, to recognize how it functions and flows. Thank God we're given this room tonight to do that in. Amen. Don't decide what flows you like or what flows you don't. If it comes from the Holy Ghost, we're all in. We're all in. Amen. And you know, to respond to the Spirit, for some, you have to learn, know this. At some point, you have to step over your flesh because your flesh will rob you of a higher flow because the flesh will have its own preferences. And so it's so good for us to have the opportunity where we practice together, move together, flow together, and stepping over our flesh and yielding to hear. And it's not just about laughing. It's releasing faith when you laugh. You're, 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 you're releasing a flow. Listen, it takes faith to rejoice. It's an expression of faith, rejoicing and praising. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful. We're so, so grateful. We're so, so grateful. Hallelujah. 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 We magnify you, Father. We glorify. We glorify. We glorify. We glorify. We glorify. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We magnify you. We magnify you. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, come, let us
magnify you. We magnify you. You know, so much of the time, so many live so conscious of what's against them, what's opposing them, what they're facing, what's showing up against them. And we're going to have to be mindful of the flow that's in us. The, these aren't just, they're forces in us. Amen. And we have to give them their place in our daily life for in him we live and move and have our being. And that's by giving way to this flow, the kingdom that's in us. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you don't want to miss any of these services. We'll see what happens in each and every one of them. I was telling Pastor Debbie, I don't know what I'm doing in the service tonight. I don't know what I'm preaching on. And it's not because we're not prepared. It's because the Holy Ghost has something prepared. Amen. Hallelujah. In the morning, Pastor Debbie Simons will be here. Hallelujah. The self-described chainsaw. And then, of course, tomorrow night, Sister Pat Harrison. And we got, we got to have her on Sunday morning, and it was, oh, it was so rich. If you, if you didn't see that, go back and watch that when she was here with us. It's a joy. And uh, then Thursday, it'll, it's going to be good, too. So you don't want to miss it. We're so glad you're here. Turn to somebody before you're dismissed tonight and say, I'm going to yield to the flow that's in me, and you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.